Hey, thanks for listening to the Berwyn AG Podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Christian Life Center in Berwyn, Illinois. Our goal is to create a real faith for the real world. We hope this podcast helps you grow closer to the Lord. For more information, you can visit our website, berwynag.org, or you can find us on all social media platforms at Berwyn AG. If you're blessed by what you hear today, be sure to share and subscribe. Thanks, and as always, God bless. you have your Bible, turn with me to uh, Philipp- Philippians, uh, Proverbs chapter 4. Talking to you today about the benefits of God's wisdom and the ability to walk in wisdom. The older I get, the more I read the directions. That's a key life goal. The older I get, the more... I remember when my kids were... I don't know what date this would be. This would be back in the 80s. Two, two kid, we had two kids, and we, were gonna, we, were, we got a, a, a swing set for Christmas. How many of you ever put together a swing set? Raise your hand. Give the glory to the Lord. You survived. And uh, so I remember that I dumped out all the bolts and nuts and everything. This is before the days when they put them all shrink-wrapped from China. They just came in a big wad, you know. I dumped them out, and uh, they were all over the place where I was going to build the swing set. And then I looked at the, the instructions, and this is also long ago, and there were not a lot of pictures. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Not a lot of pictures when you look at the instructions. You want to see pictures when you look at the instructions. You don't you don't want to see words, and I saw step one and step two, and I turned the page, and it said step you know, 35, and I was like, 35 steps, how hard can it be to build a swing set? So I put the instructions, folded them back up, and stuck them in the box that the thing came in, and I launched upon my swing set journey uh, without instructions. And I realized about halfway through that you really need those instructions to, to know which bolts go into which holes and how everything goes. Now over the years, I have put together Barbie dream houses and cars and uh, little uh, things for the grandkids, for my kids, built things, you know, and I've, and I've many times in my youth, I would say, oh, this is pretty easy, I can get this. And I would snap pieces together those snappy pieces, which you think those would, be, those would be easy ones, some of them, once you snap them, they don't unsnap. So you'll only get, uh, you only get one shot at it, and if you're not looking at the directions, then, oh snap, you broke something, you know? <laughs> so, uh, so the issue for, for me is this, this, this is like almost a universal human experience. People who don't want to read the instructions. So if... If you, have ever, if you have ever not read the instructions and tried to put something together without using the instructions, just raise your hand so I know I'm not alone. Would you just raise your hand? Yeah, that's, a, that's pretty much most of us. Most of us have at some point done that. And uh, I, when I first became a Christian, I, uh, my first job was I was working for uh, 
for a place called Handy Andy. I don't know if anybody remembers Handy Andy. Handy Andy that later became Republic Lumber. I don't know if you remember that. That was Home Depot before there was a Home Depot. And so uh, I was in charge of the hardware department. I eventually got to be in charge of the hardware department. I, I came in I'm at, with the first, my first job interview. Uh, I'll just give God the glory. Uh, I had just given my life to the Lord. And so I was dressed in a flannel shirt and some jeans. My hair was still really, really long at the time. And, uh, and the woman who was interviewing me from whatever, HR or whatever she was, she said, well, you know, why do you want to do this? I'm like, nah, you know how you are when you're young, you're just like, ah, I don't know. You know, it's, you know, I didn't say this, I was born to do this, I want to benefit your company. I didn't say any of that stuff you're supposed to say. I said, oh, I don't know. And she hired me. And so, so that was clearly says that they were desperate. And so... They hired me, and then I worked my way up the, the food chain there to be the manager of the hardware department, which is, sounds more impressive than it really was. Hardware department's like just a few you know, square feet there. Anyway, there was a guy one day, I was, I was, and I learned to do stuff. I, I, I cut glass, I repaired windows and screens, I did a lot of that stuff there. I also worked the cash register, balanced out the... The thing. But anyway, one day one guy comes in, and I'm in a hurry. I got a bunch of people lined up, you know. I'm bringing them out, and this guy comes in. And he goes, "I bought this skill saw, and it doesn't work." And I'm like, "Well, dude, I got like four people in line ahead of you." And he's like, "No, can I just exchange it for another one?" And so I said, "It doesn't work." He goes, "Doesn't cut." And I said, "Okay, just grab another one." So I, I swapped it out for him while I had these other customers, and then. Uh, and then I, after the customers cleared and the things calmed down a little bit, I grabbed the skill saw that he had returned, and I plugged it in, and I pulled the trigger, and it went zing, just like a skill saw does. And I was like, well, why would this guy return the skill saw? So then I got, grabbed a piece of wood from the lumber department right next door, and I grabbed that, and then I tried to cut, and I'll be like, man, you know, it really doesn't cut. And so uh, why doesn't it cut? And then I realized that he had the blade on, backwards. And when I flipped the blade over, it said this side out. It was, it was like basically stupid proof, but this guy had the blade on backwards, so it was basically trying to massage its way through two-by-fours rather than cut. And I thought, why doesn't this guy read the instructions? Right? Why don't we read the instructions? Well, the older I get, the more I've, things I've messed up, so the more I learn the instructions. Thankfully, there's more pictures these days than there are words, and thankfully, that, that there, there are, it's, it's a little easier, some of the stuff's a little easier to put together, but the instructions are crucial. I mean, why would we not follow the instructions? They're, they're made by the designer, right? The designer knows how this ought to go together. And not only are they made by the designer, but they are, they are the exact, uh, they're, 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 they've been tweaked by people who've done hundreds, maybe thousands of these builds. And yet, we, we are reluctant. We want to do our own thing. We want to go our own way. So we're in Proverbs chapter 4. And basically, Proverbs chapter 4 says, listen to my instructions. It's, uh, it's Solomon talking to his sons, 
leaving a legacy, we get the benefit of having that for us. But let me just read these four these verses here in chapter 4. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning. So do not forsake my teaching. When I was a boy in my father's house, still tender, and an only child of my mother, he taught me and said, lay hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or swerve from them. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. Though it costs everything you have, get wisdom. Esteem her, and she will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honor you. She will set a garland of grace on your head and present you with a crown of splendor. Listen, my son, accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. I guide you into the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered, and when you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evil men. Avoid it and do not travel on it. Turn from it and go on your way. For they cannot sleep until they do evil and are robbed of slumber till they make someone fall. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left and keep your foot from evil. Father, will you help us this morning to hear, Lord, the benefits of walking in wisdom. Help us not to be those who willfully ignore the instructions given to us by our designer. Help us, Lord, to not spurn the wisdom from those who have gone before us or to reject the years of experience that have gone before us. Or, Lord, to ignore the aspect of our life that is spiritual, Lord. But teach us Your wisdom. Show us Your truth. Help us to be encouraged, Lord God. And help us, Lord, to become what You would have us to become. In Jesus' name, Amen and Amen. So let me give you four things that, that, that are the result, the benefits of wisdom. Last week we talked about wisdom and its purpose and its plan. But in this chapter, and of course this is only four things that are found in this chapter. In fact, as I was reading through, I found a few more things that are that are the benefits of wisdom. But the first thing is your reputation. Your reputation becomes greater. Exaltation and honor come to us when we walk in the wisdom of God. There is a, a lift uh, in wisdom. In fact, everything God does lifts up those people who take it seriously. If you hold on to... I mean, how many of you are better off today than you were when you first came to the Lord? Raise your hand. Yeah, 
Yeah, there's a lift. There's something that happens when you learn to walk in wisdom. For, for one thing, you're not spending money on the junk that you used to spend money on, so you have a little more money. But there's also wisdom that comes with your, your time and listening to see how things are designed in the world. The world is designed in a specific way, and tapping into the designer's wisdom helps us to understand what that is. And then people see us being responsive to that revelation that God gives us, and it increases our understanding of of, of, of God, and also in their eyes, it increases their esteem of us. It says here in verse 7, Wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Esteem her, and she will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honor you. She will set a garland of grace on your head and present you with a crown of splendor. You see, what happens is when we begin to walk in the wisdom of God, Everything in our life becomes a little better. Everything in our life becomes enhanced. And people begin to think that we are actually smart. That we are actually worthy. That we are worthy of esteem. That we are worthy of acknowledgement. That we are worthy of being something than what they, they thought we were before. I remember uh, in that job when I was, that I was just talking to you about, I was the head of that that uh, department. So in that department, I, one of my jobs for a while was to cut glass. And I remember this older gentleman, probably about my age now, who had his grandchild in and he was walking in and he was walking through the hardware department. I don't think they're really buying anything. They're just lookers. But uh, I was in, the, in cutting. I had this big table and I was going to cut this piece of glass. And he was, obvi- he, it was obviously, he knew what I was about to do. And so he said to this this uh, young, his young grandson, let's stand here and watch the man cut glass. Now, at that point, I didn't think that was very special. I'm, I, ju- I just had cut glass for a long time, so it wasn't a big thing. But suddenly, in my mind, I was raised up. I was in a new cl- class of people. I was a glass cutter. And in my own mind, I began. To, I even thought of myself. Oh yeah, this is this is really you know I you know not everybody can do this right. Not everybody in here can cut glass. I can cut glass. So I was I was I was you know feeling feeling it pretty much you know and realizing that I was being esteemed here and I now had an audience. I imagined that in future years there would be thousands of people who would want to come and see me cut glass and so. So I figured I would put on a good show, and I immediately broke that piece of glass right in front of this guy. And immediately God said, pride comes before the fall. But there's something about being, having a specific set of skills, gaining wisdom in, in a specific set of skills, and being able to do things. And, and you, you, the more you grow in that, no matter how menial the task is, it, it, there's no romance to changing glass in windows. Somebody throws something, a brick, something through a window. You come in, you repair the window. It was not not a big deal for me. It was just a job for for a long time, but it became, the more I learned, the more I, I, and I was was interning underneath a, a, a guy, I was an apprentice underneath this guy later on, and he began to show me things about uh, putting in storefronts and, 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 and help develop some things. And pretty soon I began to feel really, really competent 
a glass company came and hired me and pretty soon they gave me my own truck and I was driving all over the city replacing all those broken windows and things like that and uh, gave me a certain amount of freedom. When we excel in wisdom, no matter how menial the task of wisdom, that you, you may not even think that you're smart, you begin to find new freedoms and new esteem. You are crowned with new grace because you are mastering a specific aspect of your life. Wisdom always crowns you with glory. Wisdom always crowns you with glory. You would have to work very hard to hide your wisdom. Because people around you will know. My grandfather, uh, who probably, I don't you know, maybe 6th grade education, maybe 7th grade education, uh, uh, deaf as a stone because he worked in a stamping plant, but he knew some things. And, and when we would sit in the living room, I remember we would sit in the living room and there would be lots of conversation and people with opinions and talking back and forth. And he never talked very much. Because, probably because he couldn't hear what he was saying. But he didn't talk very much. But when he spoke, it was like E.F. Hutton. Everyone shut up to hear what Cully had to say. When my grandfather spoke, everyone listened to hear his opinion because he was steeped in the world's wisdom. Now, I saw my grandfather go through some really serious things. Once my, uh, my uncle hit him in the mouth with his elbow, not on purpose, but on an accident, and his tooth came through the bottom of his lip. It was at a family reunion. So like his teeth were on the outside. His insides were on the outside. So his teeth were on the outside of his lip. And uh, my grandfather w- was very wise. He used that all day. He went around, stuck his teeth through his lip, and began to talk to all the kids to scare them. He wasn't worried about the scar it was going to leave on his face. He just kept doing it over and over again until my grandmother hit him with something and said, stop doing that. <laughs> Back in those days, life was more dangerous on this planet, and we played a game called jarts. Maybe some of you remember. Jarts were weighted steel darts that uh, you threw in the air in the hopes to get them in a ring. Uh, young children didn't even bother with the ring. They just threw them in the air, and that's what happened. One of my cousins grabbed a jart, threw it way up in the air, and it stuck in my grandfather's head stuck in his head, and uh, he played that for all it's worth, too. The family reunions were a great time. I, <laughs> I, I say all that because I just got invited to my family reunion. It's in a few weeks. That's going to be a hoot. Anyway, uh, the idea is, the idea is I, learned, I learned, learned wisdom from watching. I remember at one family reunion, I'm on family reunion day now, uh, the, he was so wise that I remember a snake went through uh, the aforementioned jart game, and as the snake was going through, everyone screamed and people ran, and he ran, walked over and grabbed the snake by the tail, and then snapped it like a bullhead, uh, like a bullwhip, and the head of the snake flew off. I was 10 years old. I'm going to tell you what, I was impressed. If you can grab up a snake, brother, and snap it like a bullwhip, and the head of that thing comes off and flew across the picnic. People were still screaming. And I was like, you are this close to God, Grandpa. You are... There's some wisdom. I don't know where he learned that. I can tell you where he didn't learn it, in a book. No one teaches that in a book. But he snapped the head off that snake in a quick hurry, and it, like it was nothing, like picked it up, grabbed it, like the head flew off, and then he threw the thing down on the ground, and we're like, 
whoa. I remember I said to my brother, don't tick off grandpa. He snap your head off just like that snake. Wisdom means you're lifted up in the esteem to other people. People begin to honor you. People begin to hold you up. People begin to like you. People who don't like you will put up with you if you're wise. As you're walking in this wisdom, as you're learning from these other people who are around you, as you're learning in the times that you're spending in the presence of God, just learning how life is, it's, it's important to do that because you're, you're developing who you are. Who you are today is not who you will be tomorrow. You may say, well, nobody likes me. Everybody thinks I dress funny or whatever. Who you are today is not who you will be tomorrow. And if you, if you are tomorrow the same person you are today, then you're not growing in wisdom. Wisdom needs to be being accumulated. That means we have to constantly be growing. We need to be lifelong learners of things. I wrote down a few things that I'm studying right now. I'm studying sheep parasites. I know you probably want to know all about those. Come talk to me afterwards. I'm studying dog food. What's the best dog food? I'm studying uh, small engine repair. I'm studying dog breeding. And I'm studying beekeeping. So there's five, now none of those have to do with anything with my job. Those are just things I'm learning about. What are you learning about? Are you growing in the wisdom that's around you? Are you growing in the things that are around you? God wants us to be growing in that aspect because it enhances our reputation. And you will not be able to, to run away from the enhancement of your education. That's one of the benefits of wisdom is that you will, you will become a better person and esteem higher. Your glory will increase. Look at your neighbor and say, your glory will increase. The second thing here I have here is found in verse 10, 11, and 12. It says, listen, my son, accept what I say. The years of your life will be many. I guide you in the way of, in the wisdom, way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered, and when you run, you will not stumble. It kind of goes without saying that wisdom makes you smarter, and wisdom makes it so that you can do things with less problems. You can do things without having yourself entangled and ensnared and, and bound up and tripping over things. And, uh, and, and, and there's, so there's all kinds of, of, of this in here. In fact, uh, when we're looking at this, we have to ask ourselves if in fact God wants to, to, to set us free from some things in our life. In, uh, in this passage here, he's talking about how we, how we have uh, the ability to move forward. There's something in, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Uh, the Bible says, uh, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. The, there's, a, there's a sense in which that as we grow in wisdom, we learn how to put off the sins that used to entangle us the smarter and more wise we get, the ability to walk away from stuff that used to hold on to us. Now, some sins you get mightily delivered from. All sins you're forgiven from. When you confess Christ as Lord, you're forgiven for all your sins. But that doesn't mean they don't still have a hold on your life. Amen? Sometimes your sins got a hold on your life. And so, 
uh, and that, that can be anything from uh, worry to, uh, you know, to uh, uh, covetousness. Uh, any kind of sins that are driving your personality. And so th- those sins, th- they can be broken off. Sometimes God miraculously delivers them. I remember when I came to the Lord, I was a big uh, pothead and cokehead. And I came to the Lord and I prayed a prayer in a little room off the side of the sanctuary. Now, we called the prayer room, went in there, prayed for one second. Uh, just said, Lord, if you're real, come take over my life. Never got high again. Instantly delivered from that moment on. Never got high. Never, uh, actually, it was so, so, I would have benefited, I think, at times for if I would have struggled a little more because it would have meant more to me. But it was such an instantaneous deliverance. But I still smoke cigarettes. And when I went to smoke, quit smoking cigarettes, it took me months and I backslid, you know, I would bum them off of guys at work, you know, I'd quit at home and then and bum them off of guys at work and then I'd come home and quit again and I'd bum them off. And I, I did that for months, back and forth, until I finally was able to muster up the self-discipline to overcome that. And, and, and it, so sometimes God delivers us instantaneously. Other times God delivers us through the work of discipline in our life. But wisdom has to recognize that these purposes are for us to not be bound up, to not to be set free. God wants us to be set free. The wisdom of God is He wants you to work a little less hard. Oh, that was good news. I don't know if they recognize that, but God wants you to work less hard. He wants you to have the wisdom in your life to, to be able to work a little less hard and still accomplish greater results than what we could get on our own. And so when we're looking at this, we, we, we have to recognize... In fact, what I would say is the second group of, of things that, that are benefits to wisdom is longevity and success. That God desires for us to be successful and God desires us to live a long time. In fact, the Scripture clearly says that long life, Proverbs 3.16... The, the long life is in the hand of wisdom. And so the more wisdom we get, the longer our life is because we tend to reject things that are, are toxic to our life. And we, we tend to move away from those things. The tendency is always to react to things in our life that are frustrating or are things that have caused us loss and to react in, those ways, in, in ways that are toxic to us. A 2009 article published in the American Psychology stated that there is growing evidence that neuroticism is a psychological trait of profound public health significance. Neuroticism is the robust correlate and predictor of many different mental and physical disorders, comorbidity among them. So they followed these 1,600 people, men, most of them, ages 43 to 91 for 12 years, and at the end of the study, only 50% of the men who were, had high or increasing uh, neuroticism were alive compared to the 75-85% to 85% of, the, of the group that didn't have that. So, so in other words, we're all going to die, but you'll die faster if you are neurotic. If you don't, and now, you say, well, what does that have to do with wisdom? Wisdom is the thing that tells you, I don't need to worry. 
Wisdom is the thing that says, I've been down this road, I've been out of money before, I've been out of work, I've been hurting financially, I've had relationship issues before, I've been down this, I don't need to worry because my God is big. See, when you get to those kind of places, when you begin to take that wisdom and put that in your, in your, your, your pipe and smoke it, that's what I want to say, when you put it into your, into your life, you deposit the wisdom into your life, then you have to recognize that these are not things I have to concern myself. I don't need to worry. That doesn't mean that as individuals we don't at times come up to, to a place where we are stressed. That, that we do get stressed. But we have to keep reminding ourselves of the, wisdom is the reminder that just keeps saying, listen, God's got this. God's on the throne. God has not abandoned you. You're the same. He's the same God. We sang it today. And He never changes. He's always faithful. He's always going to be there. I've been down this road before. My God is on the throne. Wisdom is reminding us of that on the inside. That's listening to the instructions. Listening to the instructions. The instructions are saying to us, trust God. But somehow we think, oh no, I need to worry about this. I need to lose a whole night's sleep about this. I need to turn it over and over and over and over. Listen, when you think about that many ways that you can get something uh, to, to manifest for you, you can guarantee God will not use those ways. Right? You can come up with 500 different re- ways that you're going to get a raise and it will not happen that way. We, we, we just need to be honest. Wisdom says just go ask for the raise. But we don't, that's not what we do. We go, well, you know, shipping has increased. And I see we're shorthanded. And, you know, uh, I'd be willing to come in early. And you do, you do, we sell it. Instead of saying, I need a raise. Boss, I need a raise. I see these other chuckleheads that you've hired around here. They're not as smart as me. I'm walking in wisdom. I need a raise. Now you'll either find out that you are walking in wisdom or you're not as smart as you think you are. Either way, that's an education. If he's a good boss, he'll say, you know what, I don't think you're as smart as you are, but if you start working and showing me and you show up to work on time, and then I'll look at this again in three months. If he says, now he's incentivized you with the money that you desire. You see, our... We, we live in a, in, a, in a world where almost everything's just falling into our lap. Right? I, my wife is very frustrated with me because God has blessed me to the point where I have Amazon Prime. I know. <laughs> I know. If I have Amazon Prime, you know, and I don't mean to make any of you jealous, but things I want, I usually just order them. And I'm 61 and a half, and so I forget immediately after I order them. And so, as I said last week, the packages come, and they're on my front doorstep when I come home from work, and I, I, I like, oh, Santa has been here. <laughs> and I open up the package, and I find awesome stuff, really cool stuff. I, the other day, I got a big shank of rope in the mail. That was awesome. And uh, I, some, I got some weed killer yesterday in the mail. 
I was so excited. The box said heavy, and I was like, oh, that's awesome. Heavy usually means good, but it was weed killer. So uh, wisdom probably would say take away Pastor Dave's Prime account. But one of the things that happens when I'm, when I'm I, I've learned this, and, and the staff know this, that if we're in a meeting, and they'll say, we should get one of these. The other day it was like, we're gonna, we should get bags for, for, for the cornhole game for the picnic. Well, where's the best place to get bags? Uh, Pastor Seth said it's at Play It Against Sports. Then someone said, there are no more Play It Against Sports. And then he said, yes, there are some in, in uh, da- two of them. And it, one, one of them's in Downers Grove, as I recall. And then we're going back and forth, this conversation, and I said, I already ordered them. So can we stop talking about cornhole bags in the staff meeting at the church? So the idea is, the idea is that wisdom sometimes says you can get things done faster and quicker if you just do them this way, you know? And so that's what we're learning. You get, you get success. You have, it's easier to get things. You have longevity. God b- builds this long life into you. I mean, it's, the Scripture is pretty clear about this. Sometimes when we're neurotic and we're worried or we're or anxious about things all the time, that, that uh, we begin to pick up habits that are bad for us. And we excuse, well, if I'm so stressed out, i got to go have a smoke or have a drink. or do, And we start picking up habits that are just bad for us. And we pick up those habits, and then we find ourselves even further down, and our health is diminished because of it. God wants to bless our life. I believe God wants you free from everything that holds you into bondage. Whether it's nicotine, alcohol, tobacco, drugs, food. Well, it always gets quiet when you say food. Oh, listen, God wants you free. He wants to give you abundant life. I've been talking about this for three or four weeks. That God wants to bless your life. Look down in verse 18. The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn shining ever brighter until the full light of day. God wants your life to be increasing. Increasing. He wants all the glory in your life to increase. He wants your life... I don't know if you've been up early in the morning to watch the sunrise recently, but when you look out the window, there's just a little gleam on the horizon. That's how it was when you first gave your life to Christ. The only thing that you had was the little gleam of God's glory in your life. But as you follow along with God, as you're moving along with God, there is this ongoing glorification of your life. Things become better. Things become uh, uh, more blessed in your life. You begin to say, hey, I I figured this out. I don't need to stress about that. And there's, there's this increase in there. You're brighter in hope. You're brighter in prosperity. You're brighter in your outlook. You're brighter in your kindness and your disposition towards others. You're brighter in in the midst of darkness and despair. You still shine bright. You're never chasing the wind. You're not mindlessly repeating and stumbling and tripping and going over things. It's getting brighter and brighter and brighter. Somebody needs to underline that in their Bible and say, this is the promise I'm going to claim for my life, that I'm going to grow brighter and brighter and brighter. You say, well, pastor, I'm old. Listen, I want to tell you something. Brighter and brighter and brighter until you step into the glory of Christ 
in which His brightness will outshine any brightness we ever had in our life. That's what God desires. John Adams wrote in a letter to his wife uh, some profound words that show his vision of the future for our country. Listen to what he says. He says, I must study politics and war that my sons may have the liberty to study mathematics and philosophy. My sons are to study mathematics and philosophy and geography and natural history and architecture and naval navigation and commerce and agriculture in order to give their children a right to study painting and poetry and music and architecture and statuary and tapestry and porcelain. You see what he said? He said, I'm building my life for my future generations. I'm doing this work and investing in my nation this way so that the next generation doesn't have to worry about the same things that I'm worrying about and they can take their education and they can grow in wisdom to gain this area. And if they can gain this area, they will have to new battles to fight, but eventually we'll be able to live in peace in our world. That's not how you and I live our life. You and I live our life as though it's just about us. We listen to our own music. We don't listen to everyone else's music. What happens is we become so diminished in our ability to understand what good music is that we become ostracized, sort of, sort of put out on an island. I have, uh, I have a bad habit of listening to classic rock uh, in my truck. We have a channel that's only classic rock. And that's what I listen to. Yesterday, my wife got into the truck. And when she got into the truck, I had switched the channel to a channel that's called Soul Train. And she said, she got in and you know, we knew the words of the song. We were driving someplace, so we were kind of singing the song together. And then others, she said, what, what channel is this that you have on? I said, I'm listening to Soul Train today. Broadening my, my understanding. Life consists of more than Led Zeppelin. Life consists of more than what you think is music. I bought an album the other day by a nine-year-old girl. I think her name is Alma Deutscher. She's written a symphony. A nine-year-old has written a symphony. You should check her out. It's amazing. Her parents have video of her swinging on the swing set in the backyard, making up a new symphony. Wow! That is simple. I'm, I'm talking, this is amazing music. And, it's, and they, they're, they're saying that she writes at the level of Bach and Mozart. It's amazing. And she's just humming these little ditties on the swing sets. Imagine that. Man, parents, if you have a kid that's humming Bach and Mozart on the swing set, you need to nurture that. You need to get that, you need to take that someplace where it can be developed because that sets the rest of us free. Wisdom is developed. Wisdom grows brighter and brighter, fuller and fuller. God wants to bless us. I talked about this a few weeks ago, but I think there's 
hesitancy in our lives to believe this. Proverbs 10.22. Some of you have heard this before. Maybe you don't have this memorized. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth. And He adds no sorrow to it. What does that say? That says that God blesses His people financially. Somebody should say amen to that. I mean, if you want. I would think. God blesses His people financially, but along with the financial blessing comes wisdom so that you don't have financial problems with the financial blessing. He adds no sorrow to it. Right? There's a website. I encourage you to go take a look at it. It's all the people who've become bankrupt or had tragedy after they won the lottery. My favorite is the guy who won $300 million. Let's just think about that for a moment. What I could do with $300 million. He is bankrupt today. $300 million. See, money isn't going to fix your problem. God's blessing isn't going to fix your problem if you don't get the wisdom that comes. How many of you would say, I'd take $300 million and figure wisdom out myself. I'd just do whatever I could do. Right? I will read the books. I will learn whatever I have to do. Watch the videotape. Go to the seminar. Whatever I have to do to make myself... See, if we're wise, God will keep on blessing us. Give us a life where we can keep... You say, well, are you preaching that God wants to make us uh, you know, uh, wealthy? Well, I'm saying that God blesses wealth. Blesses us with wealth. He did it to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. Right? Right? Go down the line. David. Solomon. You say, well, we're under a new covenant. No. We're under a new and better covenant. We're under a new and better covenant. God hasn't stopped the blessing business. Maybe we've stopped the receiving business. But God hasn't stopped the blessing business. God still wants to bless. Listen, I love my job. But when the paycheck stops, I have to have another one. Right? That's true, right? Even if you love your job, you've got to have... You got to have butter on your bread, right? God knows how you are. God knows how you are. He rewards you financially. He blesses you and makes things more comfortable. He allows you to be a conduit of blessing to other people that you could not do, you could not bless them if he hadn't given things to you. When God uses you to bless other people, it's as if you're unclogging the, par- the, the pipeline so that more can flow to you. So that you can hand it to someone else. So that more can flow to you. So you can hand it to someone else. So you can bless this one and feed that one and clothe that one and help that one and give direction to them. God wants to do that through you. And we are so selfish. I want you to understand this. The person who's believing God for God to bless them with wealth is not the selfish one. The one 
who is the selfish one is say is saying to God, just give me enough for myself. Just give it to me for me. Let the other people figure out what they got to do. Just give it to me. That's selfishness. When you're only thinking about yourself. Man, I want to be able to bless people. I want to be able to give to every need. I want to be able to operate in the way that I can bless every missionary I can. Everyone who comes to me, I can say, here, I've got more because I've got more in heaven. See, this is all a part of the growing brighter and brighter till the full day comes. God wants to use us more and more, not less and less. He doesn't want us to diminish in our capacity to bless others. In 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 8, God appears to Solomon at night. Ask whatever you want for me to give to you. And Solomon answers God, You have shown great kindness to David, my father, and have made me king in his place. Now, Lord God, let your promise to my father David be confirmed, for you have made me king over a people who are as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people, for who is able to govern this great people of yours? Solomon's completely overwhelmed by the task that's before him. You can choose anything you want, Solomon. What do you want? I need wisdom. This is the key point for us today. Many of us, in a moment like this, would say to God, I just need more money. I just need a spouse. Or a different spouse. (laughs) Or if you're really a Christian, change the heart of my spouse. I just need a new job, a new car, I need new things. Solomon says, God, I just need wisdom. This is the end of the story. God says to Solomon, since this is your heart's desire, and you have not asked for wealth or possessions or honor, nor the death of your enemies, and since you have not asked for a a long life, but for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people over whom I have made you king, Therefore, wisdom and knowledge will be given to you. And I will also give you wealth, possessions, and honor, such as no king who was ever before you and had, and none will ever have after you. Why? Because he had the smarts to recognize he didn't have the smarts. Because he knew that he just needed more wisdom in his life because there's, our, there's financial benefits, there's health benefits, there's success benefits, there are all manner of benefits to being a wise man walking in a world full of stupidity. Are we sowing the financial blessings that God gives us in faith? Are we giving to others? Are we living below our means? Are we saving Money, are we looking and saving for the future? Are we serving others with our money? Or is it all about us? One more thing. The Bible says in verse 22 of this chapter, these words, this wisdom that I give you, these words are life and health to one's whole body. If we never look at God's direction book. 
we never spend time in the Word, how will we ever know what God's take is on the things that are happening in our bodies, in our life, to our health? We need to be wise. We need to be wise. We cannot be that person who ignored the, the directions and then ends up with some conglomeration that doesn't look anything like the life that God has for us. We must be people who passionately follow after God and lean into the wisdom of God and walk it out in our daily life. You say, well, God doesn't want you to do that for, just for blessing. Yes, He does! God wants you to be that guy who says, I'll do this for the blessing. Just like tomorrow morning, you're going to go into work just for the paycheck. God knows. You say, is that right? I want, I want my future generations. I want my grandchildren. I want my children's children's children to be blessed for the wisdom that's poured into my life, that's poured into my children's life, that's poured into their children's life, that's poured into their children's life. I want to change the generations. I want to live my life under the wisdom of God and change the generations. When my wife and I got married, there were a number of divorces in her family. And I said, we have got to break that curse. I mean, when you marry into a family where people throw away spouses like they're yesterday's garbage, you've got to, look, you've got to determine in your mind I, something's got to be different. But we were both Christians. Both living for Christ. And so we said, we will never use the word divorce in our argumentation one to another. I never said to her, ever, I want a divorce. Why? Because I don't really want a divorce. And I'm not going to let your pig-headedness push me into that corner. I want a blessed life. I want a life that exemplifies the living Christ in my life so that my children and my children's children and people around can look and say, look, there's a man who's serving Christ. He could do it. It's not just because I'm old. It's not just because I'm easy to live with. Like, listen, like everything else in life, it is the grace of God on a very stubborn decision that people make. Come on, if you're married, you know what I'm talking about. You determine, I will. So some days you go, oh, I love you so much. And there's other days you wake up and you say, I will love you so much. Right? You will it to happen. You make it happen. You determine, this is what I'm going to... Because you want to have something to pass on to the generations. This week we celebrated 39 years of marriage. I know. I do deserve applause for that, but... The reality of it is, it's just making a decision to determining I'm not going to walk in wisdom. I'm not going to walk in foolishness. I'm going to walk in wisdom. I want to walk in the wisdom of God. We said last week, and I think I'm out of time here. We we said last week, wisdom comes by hanging around people that you can be, learn from. That's why the fellowship of the body is one of the reasons why the fellowship of the body is so important. 
We can learn from each other. What did you do when this happened? Another thing that does when we intellectually pursue, we just pursue and pursue and pursue and keep your mind developing. Don't, don't allow... Now listen, I know it kind of sounds like I'm putting myself up here as an example. I'm not saying that I'm doing it all right. I'm saying this is what I'm doing to try to be in pursuit of stuff. Learning about things. Developing things. Reading and reading and reading. And if you're not into reading, watching videos. The other, yesterday, I was having a cup of coffee. I was watching a video on how to splice Amstel Blue cord. You don't even, well, no one in here even knows what that is. But I, I, I'm, it's, just, it's just how to, how to tie a specific kind of a knot. That's all I'm saying. What it, why do you study that? Because I'm a nerd and a geek. That's what I, that's what I want to know. I want to know. I, there are things I want to know. We live in a generation where what you want to know is at the tip of your fingers. You are so blessed. Yesterday, I was trying to help somebody and they had a motor that wasn't working right. I flunked basic electricity twice in high school. And I said, let me look this up on the internet. And I looked around on the internet and I found out that it's probably the capacitor. And then I went over to YouTube and I watched a video on how to change out the capacitor on the very motor that this person has. And I said, I called them back up and I said, listen, I can fix that in 10 minutes. Just go get the part. I can fix that in 10 minutes. What a generation we live in. It's amazing. We used to have to call somebody we didn't know and they charged us $100 just to pull up in the driveway. We don't have to do that anymore. But we have to develop that in our life. We have to do, and see that you can be useful in the future if you gain wisdom in the present. God can use you. Where's the greatest source of wisdom? The greatest source of wisdom is in prayer. See, Jesus Christ has become wisdom for us. We have the mind of Christ. If we fix our eyes on the things that are above and not on the things that are below, we gain wisdom. So when we go into prayer, we learn things. We gain wisdom by being in the sense of God. By just taking God. God, should I buy this car? God, should I make this decision? Lord, is this woman right for me? Lord, is this the right thing I should be doing with my life? Are we praying and seeking the wisdom of God? That's the question. When was the last big prayer breakdown that you ever had? When was the last time you said, I've got to grow in wisdom so that my business can flourish, so that I can better parent my children, so that I can be a better business person, so I can be a better uh, Christian, so I can live my life in a way that's effective, so I don't screw up the next generation. We've got to learn. I would love to be able to tell you today that all you need to do is come up here to the altar and I'll lay my hands on you and God will download millennia of wisdom into your brain. That's not how it works. Because it's only a value as you seek Him after it. It's only a value as you strive for it. Those things that come easy, go easy. But those things that you fought for, you strive for, that you listened for, you discerned for, you, 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 you prayed and cried out to God for, those things, those are lessons that last for the rest of your life. We have got to pray the prayer of Solomon. I need 
wisdom. Will you bow your head with me today? Let's pray. Father, in a world where Thanks for listening. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. We take pride in creating free content that will hopefully enrich your life and lead you closer to the heart of the Father. If you are blessed by what you heard today, help us continue to make content just like this by sharing, subscribing, and if you feel led, by contributing financially on our website, berwinag.org. As always, if there's anything that we can do to help you in your walk with the Lord, contact us on our website, berwinag.org, or on social media at berwinag. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.